Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by John Rick MacArthur, who is publisher of Harper's and a much-loved Spectator contributor. And we are going to be talking about Joe Biden and asking what's the matter with him. Rick, I think it's been, I mean, Biden for a while has been sort of, you know, he's been coming top in the polls of, of Democratic candidates for 2020. And he's a former vice president. He's thought to be much loved by people and certainly by the party. And then uh, this week, uh, a lot of listeners will have um, noticed uh, there's been sort of various allegations, not that he's a sexual predator so much as that he's inappropriately handsy with women. And this appears to be a kind of uh, campaign to, to stop him putting his hat into the ring, perhaps because he's likely to win the nomination, or perhaps because there's just a lot of people that don't really like him in the Democratic Party. Is this a fair summary of where we are with Joe Biden at the moment? Yes, although it's unclear who who is driving the train, the, the anti-Biden train. Harper's Magazine, as usual, we published something contrarian last month on the cover, pointing out that Biden had a rather uh, disastrous legislative r- record on several counts, whether or not you, you, you are a progressive or a left-winger or you are a, a centrist who cares about American foreign policy, he's really had a terrible career in terms of, uh, of uh, actual policymaking. He, 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 the thing that upsets or should upset left-wingers or, or liberals is his steadfast support of the financial industry, as we euphemistically call it in the United States. Yeah. Uh, he's always been for deregulation. Uh, coming from Delaware, which is a tax haven for corporations, uh, he's always voted in favor of, of uh, legislation and pushed legislation that helped the credit card industry, uh, which is, is based there, and which made it n- notably harder to declare bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy in this country, really cruel uh, sorts of things. But also on things like incarceration, he was a v- ferocious proponent of uh, of mandatory sentencing and throwing black people into, well, in effect, uh, throwing black people into jail at higher rates than white people because he, he said that uh, somehow uh, smoking crack was worse than storing cocaine, that if it was in a hard form, it made you a worse criminal than if it was in, in, in a powder form. He was against busing for desegregation and so on. He's, he's got a terrible, but he also had a terrible record as Obama's kind of administrator in Iraq. Obama gave him the portfolio, uh, the Iraq portfolio, I guess because he he didn't care much about it. And um, Biden notably backed Maliki, the terrible, you know, divisive prime minister of Iraq with all sorts of bad consequences. So the question you have to ask yourself is why, why is it, why doesn't that bring him down instead of him hap- kissing somebody on the back of the head or or rubbing their shoulders in public, which is what he's accused of. Yes. I mean, I suppose what you were saying about drugs and kind of the crack epidemic might help explain why he's popular with uh, the white working class, perhaps, who, you know, are very keen on Democrats or Republicans who are very, very tough on drugs and crime. 
Well, it depends on what part of the working class you're from, because now the white working class is being uh, riddled by the opioid epidemic. There's a huge, a very large number of, of white working class people who are dying or, or becoming disabled as a, as a result of overdosing on on opioids. But I'm right in saying that a lot of so, yeah. I'm right in saying that a lot of a lot of I think I'm right in saying that a lot of people think that the reason Biden might win against Trump is because he can get back those white working class votes. Is that yes, that, that, is that's that true or is that just a myth that people that's, tell that's, themselves? It's a myth and it's really he's he's the he's popular with the party regulars because he's a he is a reliable fundraiser and he's always been a re- reliable supporter of the of the party as it was reconstituted by Bill Clinton in the 90s, which is tough on crime, not afraid to execute people. Uh, Clinton famously went back during the 1992 uh, presidential campaign to sign the execution papers for a black murderer named Ricky Ray Rector, Rector, who had was had brain damage to prove that he was he wasn't he wouldn't flinch when the time came to be tough on black people. And Biden was very much in this vein. Uh, uh, just because I'm a liberal, quote unquote, doesn't mean I, I can't get tough on, on, uh, on scary black people. Yeah. And, and, and also, but more importantly, in the fundraising realm, he always voted for deregulation. He voted for the repeal of the, the Glass-Steagall Act in 1999, which used to separate uh, investment banking from commercial banking. Uh, and that, of course, helps fill the party coffers. So to them, uh, the Clinton-Obama wing of the party or, or, or faction of the party, Biden is perfect. He'll do exactly what is expected of him. So, but, that, but everything he's done, from my point of view and from a logical point of view, most of what he's done is run contrary to the interests of the working class. Yes. And, I mean, I often think he's a bit like a... Um uh, he's a Democrat version of John McCain. Of course, he was very good friends with John McCain because they're very similar types, really. They, they've got, they're incredibly popular among, if you like the phrase, the, the political class in Washington. Um, and they're almost revered as kind of tough men with integrity and so on. But actually, outside of Washington, uh, very few people think they've got much integrity. And in fact, they probably think the opposite. Is that Am I right? Am I right there? Well, I, I, I don't think Biden's record is very well known outside of Washington. Uh, what he was famous for also and what made him beloved by the political class was his bipartisanship. And he kept promoting bipartisanship. I'm not afraid to reach, reach across, across the, the aisle. aisle and shake hands with my Republican adversary. And that's the way you get things done in Washington. But he took it to an extreme to the point where he he became quite friendly with uh, Strom Thurmond, uh, the unreconstructed, racist, almost white supremacist senator from South Carolina, and spoke. It gave a eulogy at his funeral. I mean, it's there. There's bipartisanship, and then there's there's uh, there's another kind of bipartisanship. I'm not sure how you would describe that, but it's it, it was pretty uh, pretty bad. So, and again, what legislation can Biden point to? that his bipartisan spirit led to that really helped the country. I can't think of a, a piece of legislation that, we can, that, that he can point to. The other thing, of course, he's, he's, he is widely criticized for having been very tough on Anita Hill, 
the black woman who testified against Clarence Thomas back in ni- in the nineties. Yes. Uh, for sexual harassment. Uh, so if you're gonna if you're gonna tag Biden for being unfair to women, his treatment of Anita Hill was was pretty shabby. But that that's fairly well known. But I and I think he learned his lesson by the time Brett Kavanaugh came around, didn't he? And he didn't he didn't. Um, but I suppose that would have been partisan too because. Kavanaugh was obviously the Trumpist choice. Yes, and and by then uh, Biden is safely off the Judiciary Committee. He was, uh, I've forgotten, was he chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the early 90s? I believe so. And during the Hill hearings, and he controlled the questioning and was very, 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 very bad, uh, very unfair to her. Yes. Uh, And of course, we're stuck with Thomas on the Supreme Court now, uh, who is famously uninterested in oral arguments. In other words, when, when, when they do oral arguments in front of the Supreme Court, Thomas asks almost no questions. He almost never speaks. He's mute, virtually mute, possibly because he's, af- possibly because he's afraid of being found out as a fraud, as an intellectual fraud. Yeah. <laughs> well, Biden doesn't seem to be afraid of being found out. I mean, that's Biden's sort of almost his redeeming quality, because he he just goes from blunder to blunder, doesn't he? And and uh, makes all these amazing gaffes. He's got a history of incredible gaffes, and some of them are extremely funny. Uh, but he just seems to sort of go on and 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 maintains his reputation as a, a, a smart operator and a, and a and a brilliant politician somehow. But but also as a man of the people. In other words, yes. a man who really cares about working class issues and. Uh, one thing that doesn't get talked about much, he keeps saying he can bring back the white, blue-collar people to vote for, for Democrats in the key states that Trump won, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and so on. And um, uh, But he voted for NAFTA and for the permanent normal trade relations with uh, China, which I think, and a lot of, a lot of smart people believe, uh, cost the country much of what's left of its industrial base. We sent millions of jobs to Mexico and China that used to be uh, yes. uh, uh, filled by people in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And those people are plenty mad. They're the people who voted, a lot of them voted for Obama in 2008, 2012, hoping that he would help them. And then were so disgusted with the Democrats, they voted for, for Trump in 2016. It's I think it's pretty well established that between seven and nine million, somewhere between seven and nine million Obama voters voted for Trump in 2016. So clearly, they're not all racists. Yes. Well, but that, but that's the point is that, that, I mean, a lot of people think Biden is the man to get those people back. But uh, I mean, it seems to me and I think to other people who know a lot more about this than me that that um, uh, Biden's poll lead will melt upon contact with reality, assuming he runs, which because of these uh, many allegations coming out now, uh, he may not do. Right. He, he may be relieved to be accused of, of, of inappropriate uh, uh, touching because it gives him an out, gives him an excuse not to run because he's not so dumb that he realizes uh, his appeal is limited and certainly limited once he gets into a debate with uh, Bernie Sanders, who will, I hope, politely point out 
uh, that uh, that Biden's record runs contrary to his claims that he's the friend of the working class. He's the friend of big money, big finance, and of free trade, such as it is in the United States. It's not really free trade, but I don't want to bore your listeners with my with with, with all this. But he's never done much except uh, he, he does he does support unions by and large. He supports the right to unionize, yeah. Uh, but and he's he's for stronger labor laws, but union membership in this country is down to almost nothing. It's I think six percent in the private sector, six or seven percent, largely due to the North American Free Trade Agreement and permanent normal trade relations with China, because a lot of the unionized manufacturing jobs have left the country. Uh, so in a debate in a in a debate with Sanders, it's tough for him to win. I suppose I'm desperately trying to see why people might support Biden or why he might be a successful candidate. And I think the reason might be that he can be all things to all people. He can be a uh, he can sound like a populist when he wants. He can sound very blue collar when he wants. But he can also very be very centrist and reaching across the aisle and pro tax cuts and things like that when he wants to be that as well. Yes, and uh, and I do run into a lot of liberals who belong to the any, anyone but Trump camp, they don't care who the president is, uh, the Democratic nominee is, as long as he can beat Trump. Uh, so the feeling among people like that is that Biden, because he's all things to all people and a nice guy, supposedly, could beat Trump just by being a nice guy who's not Trump. But I'm afraid that Trump is smarter than uh, uh, Biden and more tactically intelligent and will be able to rally a, a core support, solid support for his candidacy against a guy who doesn't really have any core support except from the party, from the party leadership. Let's say he does run. It, 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 he, he probably won't now because of all these allegations. What do you think his chances of winning are? Presumably he gets some of the old Obama establishment mm-hmm behind him and he gets a bit of money but i don't see who how he beats you know bernie or maybe even kamala harris i think would be a more popular candidate than him no yeah well i think the idea the tactical idea it's it's a war of attrition in other words between beto o'rourke who i think is a centrist somebody who's the party establishment is comfortable with and and biden who's an apparatchik and um, Kamala Harris and um, Klobuchar from Minnesota, there's enough noise and interest to take enough votes away from Sanders so that he can't yes. go into the convention with a majority of delegates, with, with enough delegates to get the nomination on the first ballot. And that at a brokered convention, you will be able to create a ticket in the old-fashioned way with Biden as the nominee, as a consensus choice, and Harris or or Beto O'Rourke as the vice presidential candidate. And that will satisfy the red-hot progressives, supposedly, and uh, by having a woman or Beto on the, on the ticket. And Biden, of course, will, be, uh, will satisfy the party oligarchs, who the barons who run the party and who raise the yes. money. But, I mean, Beto seems to be very serious about being a candidate himself. He wouldn't settle for being a... Uh, a veep now would he I think I mean is it, the initial signs are his campaign is is, is going to do quite well well it may be but I, I he might you know it's a, the politicians are different than than you and I and uh, they are 
insanely ambitious. And if Beto, because he's, yes. he's pretty young, thinks that by becoming vice president, uh, especially with an elderly president like Biden, because Biden would be in his early 80s uh, if he was going to run for a second term, Beto is the logical person to succeed him. Yes. Uh, because it, vice presidency traditionally in this country is a great place to run for president from. Yes. So uh, as Biden, of course, I should remind your listeners that Biden has already run for president, I think, three times. And he's lost. And, and he's never gotten dis- anywhere. It's been a disaster each time, hasn't it? Including the time in the 80s where he was caught plagiarizing a British politician, Neil Kinnock. Correct. He was caught plagiarizing wholesale a speech by Kinnock. And uh, that didn't help him. But I think th- that's over. That's over. That's that's understating his his difficulties as a as a candidate. He just doesn't have any principles. He doesn't have anything you can really hang your hat on. He's all about getting along, going along to get along. And he's done that brilliantly uh, up to the point of becoming vice president. That's why he made the perfect running mate for Obama. Sort of, ah, uh, shucks, I'll do whatever I'm told. And I won't get in the way, you know, and I'll help raise money. I'll continue to help raise money. Yes. Well, it was very odd when he ran in 2008 because um, I remember he, he started doing these attacks on McCain, who everybody knew that he was McCain's great friend. And and he was doing these sort of attacks about McCain not looking Obama in the eye in the debates. And he went on these sort of very tough man soliloquies about, you know, when where I'm from. Uh, when you've got a problem with a guy, you look him in the eye and you tell him. And it was odd because he then went straight back as soon as the election campaign to being McCain's best friend. But they had this almost strategic falling out with each other during the election, which I think tells you a lot about how Washington politicians operate. Well, certainly uh, you always put party loyalty and party discipline ahead of personal friendship, assuming that he really was friends with McCain. He's not in a position to contradict his boss, who at that point is... Uh, is Obama, and he's got to do he's got to do what the party wants him to do, and yeah. I'm sure McCain understood it, and that afterwards they were they were friends again or uh, colleagues, but for these kinds of people uh, like Biden, principle just doesn't matter much, which again is why Sanders horrifies the party establishment. He evidently has very strong principles, and he sticks to them. And and this is just anathema to the party. I think I said in another uh, podcast with you. He's like, uh, if 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 the if the Democratic Party has an immune system, Bernie Sanders is a virus that is immediately identified by the immune system and rejected with everything they've got. Yes. Whereas whereas Biden is 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 sort of part of the part of the party lifeblood, isn't he? Absolutely. And it's the fundraising. There's a, there was a pretty good story in the New York Times about Elizabeth Warren's uh, difficulties raising money because Warren used to try to play the game and she raised money from wealthy people and it, at, in conventional fundraising settings, dinners and so on, a lot of money from a few people, whereas Sanders has set the standard for getting a, a very little money from a lot of people. He's always asking people for three dollars uh, and saying to them, uh, "I get the messages every day, uh, saying what we're looking for here is a lot of contributors, not uh, a few rich contributors." So Warren feels she has to do that; she has to copy Sanders, and as a result, is having great difficulty raising money. 
because she can't get she can't mobilize the 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 the, the number of small donors or, or uh, poor donors or less rich donors that Sanders can mobilize. And in the meantime, she's alienated all the wealthy donors, the wealthy liberals who, who might have con- contributed to her. And she keeps making more and more radical policy proposals that further alienate the ruling class or the, or the rich, like her wealth tax. Uh, she wants a tax on wealth, like Henry George. Beto, who is, as you say, a kind of centrist, he seems to be getting enormous numbers of donations too, and small donations too, and actually out, out, out-raising even Sanders. Um, right. I have... I haven't Which seen is, the latest statistics. There was a there was a big push by Sanders to get more than a million contrib- contributions before the latest deadline. I don't know if he made it or not, but I think the Sanders campaign is still claiming that they they got less money, but from from more people, from more individual contributors than Beto. Beto is still getting uh, not not quite as populist or as popular as Sanders, and and I don't think Beto of O'Rourke would flinch. Or would avoid a fancy fundraiser in uh, in in Hollywood if if he was invited to go to one. I don't know. I don't know if he's been challenged yet or or tempted yet. And I suppose uh, lastly, we should we haven't really dealt with these allegations against Biden. I mean, it seems to be as as I said at the beginning, they are it's it's kind of handsy stuff, and he you might say he's a creep, but I, I mean it 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 feels like a. I don't, I don't know. It feels like a Me Too age problem more than a uh, he's a he's a real sort of deviant problem. Yes, I actually, and I I I, I don't like Biden. I, I I don't like his politics. I'm I'm a, I don't want him to become president, but I almost wish he would defy the Me Too people on this one and run, uh, because he hasn't done anything really. No. <laughs> it's absurd. And he's just got an, he's got very bad sense of personal space. Which yeah, he's as is you know he's sort of cl- he's clumsy and and maybe uh, uh, inappropriate, and he likes to he likes to touch people and uh, hug them and so on. And uh, you know, to me, it, it's it's the least of his it's the least of his problems. And and other you know substantially better people than him have been driven out of politics because of jokey inappropriate behavior like Al Franken. A lot of people now regret that Franken was driven from the Democratic Party, driven to resign, notably by uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, who's running for president mm. uh, and claiming to be the, 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 the number one Me Too person in the race. And, you know, it's getting to the point where they're going to start uh, driving people out of politics for looking at women the wrong way, uh, or men anyway, looking at women the wrong way, covetously. Yeah. But when I say that, it occurs to me it's already happened to some extent because the shitty media men's list, which came out two years ago, the one that was created to out the the worst predators in the male pre- predators in the magazine business, was this kind of uh, scattershot list, which ranged from actual accusations of, of, of sexual assault to leering, quote-unquote, L-E-E-R-I-N-G, at women. Yeah. I, there was one prominent New York editor who was accused of leering at women. So, and nothing else. And he was, he, that, that earned him a spot on the shitty media men's list. So, 
we've already actually crossed that uh, that line. Uh, so I don't know. I, I you know I'm I'm waiting for the for someone to be denounced for looking at a at a at a woman the wrong inappropriately, and then we'd have to look. At, then we'd have to watch the videos over and over and over again, which they would do on American television, to see if uh, the male predator's roving eyes were really roving or not. Yes, and it's also a good question of sort of compilation and editing of photographs. I mean, I, I you know, there's a lot of photographs of Biden, you know, hugging people, and it looks a little odd and awkward, but. With almost any career politician, I think you could probably, you could probably assemble such a montage. Absolutely, I don't know if you'd be able to get Hillary Clinton doing it <laughs> uh, to a man or to a woman. I'm not sure, but there's a lot of hugging and handshaking and touching and patting on the back uh, that yes. goes on in politics, back slapping that goes on in politics with with women and with men and women. So to try to ban it. Uh, and of course, it becomes a caricature of this whole argument about uh, invading people's space, safe spaces, and so on and so forth. Uh, it really gets to the it's getting to the point of absurdity. And now, I don't think Biden, as I said, is an edifying uh, presence in the political campaign, in the presidential campaign, but I almost wish he would run just to spite uh, these people. Yes. And that, that he'd say, you know, th- these allegations are absurd. I'm not going to be driven out of the race for this. Yes. Well, I suppose we're in danger of um, sounding like two men because we are two men. Right. Uh, and we'll stop it there. But thank you very much, Rick. And um, all the best. We'll tune in. And the next time we want to cover the uh, Democratic race, we'll get you back on. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I'd encourage you all to go to iTunes and rate and review us. And please be as kind as you possibly can. I'd be very grateful. Also want to tell you about a new offer. If you go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher, you'll see that you can get a £20 John Lewis voucher if you subscribe to our 12 issues for £12 subscription offer for the magazine. That's a pretty good deal, and I would take it.